Have you ever had somebody rock up to your door? Um, this is a thought I had down there as I was seeking the Lord before I came up. Um, you've got to understand as a preacher, right before you come up to the platform every week, you really, your prayers become quite passionate quite quickly. Jesus, help me. Um, if you've ever done any kind of public speaking, it's really quite fervent. The desire, God, help me. It needs to be you. And, and I got this picture and this thought of, uh, have you ever, uh, I don't know if it's ever happened, it's never happened to me, but somebody, you go to somebody's house and they open the door and they're like, why are you here? Uh, uh, you know, what's going on? And the reception isn't that warm. Um, I've never had that happen, but there may be some people that have experienced that. That is not what you want. When you go to someone's house and the door is open, that you want them to be excited that you've arrived and welcome them in and encourage them and love on them because they're there and you want to invite them in. And I've been pondering and thinking and considering uh, what is my response uh, when the Holy Spirit is prompting me? What's it like? What am I like? Am I open to it? Am I excited about it? Am I ready to receive it? Uh, because the Holy Spirit is a present help for our lives. The Holy Spirit is actually there to help lead and guide and protect us and help us grow and transform into the likeness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is present in our life and how do we receive it? You know, recently, I may have shared this story with you all. I can't remember, but I want to share it again because it was quite traumatic. I'm scared of heights. And uh, recently, I took Jai to a trampoline um, uh, park, and I literally have a little bit of post-traumatic stress from it. I'm thinking about it still quite often, but it was like a high ropes course. Has anybody ever done a high ropes course? Okay, well then lower it by about half, and this is the course that I'm on. And um, I literally, uh, it didn't look that high. And I went on there, and I know that there was a row of kids behind me, but I literally the first time through it was actually legitimately intimidated, like, okay, there's a line of 11-year-olds behind me and I'm panicking right now. And this isn't cool because I was literally in a moment of, I think I'm frozen. And you don't understand the feeling of not being able to lift your leg unless you're scared of heights. Has anybody been there? It's like all of a sudden you're like, I've got no power in this muscle. Give me a wave if you've experienced that before. It's like that next rung on the ladder, you're like, got no power in the leg to lift the leg. I was at that moment and I just know that in that moment I was like, oh, this is not going well. But then I had the prompting of my kids that were behind me. Hey, dad, if you do it this way, if you hold it this way, if you do this, you know, it is going to help you get through it. And the matter was that I had to trust, I actually had to trust the voice that was behind me, you know, because to be honest with you, not only was the fear of the heights going on, but I was worried that if I fell, like this harness thing, I'm older than the kids. I'm like, is this going to ride and hurt me? So there was like a fear of that, a fear of the heights. And I had to trust the voice behind me saying, hey, it's okay. You know, you got it. You hold on. You do it this way. It's fine. You know, you're going a little bit slow. Hey, there are a lot of people behind us. You know, I was trying to have a little kick, but I couldn't lift the leg. The leg was too heavy. So the parallel is that we have the prompting, helping voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. And as a believer and as a community, I want us to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, with such a desire and openness to the prompting of God in our life. We are so busy. Our worlds are so full. Our thoughts are so bombarded with everything around. I want to make room 
for the Holy Spirit to speak to me and to speak to you in your life. You know, that prompting is there. And we know of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is waiting for us to invite him in. So I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, the, the sermon title, uh, and I wrestled with, with it because I try it to be a statement. I want it to be a statement of really what I believe the goal of the message is, the, the assignment that God has given me. So today, the help you need. The help you need. In a society that is, is, is wanting support and is needing encouragement and is battling with things, we actually, as believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the help we need. So I want to turn to John uh, chapter 14, if you want to head there. I'll give you uh, a little bit of a breakdown of what's going on. We will be reading uh, verses 15 to 17 this morning, but there's a little bit more that is, that is going on. The context of John uh, chapter 13 to 17 is there's a repeated theme that is continuing to go on. Now, now this whole scenario is like a dinner party. You know, the, the, the moment where Jesus has washed their feet on the arrival and they're having a meal together. And, and verses and chapters 13 to 17 have these three common and repeating things going on. Number one, Jesus says to them, I'm going. I'm going to be with the Father. The second thing is you are staying to continue the work and to spread the good news. And the third is, but I'm not leaving you alone. I am sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. I'm going, you're staying, but you're not alone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. Now in John chapter 14, which we're about to get into, you can see that flow is continuing. So obviously the breakdown of the first 10 verses is Jesus saying, I'm going back to the Father. Then you see verses 11 to 14, the disciples are being told you are to continue the work. And then when you see verses 15 to 31, uh, that, that segment is in regards to I will be leaving, but I'm going to return. The Holy Spirit is going to come back and be with you forever. The help we need is here. So let's read from verse 15 to verse 17. And it says this, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He lives with you and will be in you. There's three beautiful scriptures there uh, that really I battled not doing the whole 15 to 31, but I believe that we can uh, sum it up with, with these verses. And the first thing that I want to look at is in verse 15. It says this, it's a short, it, it's concise, uh, but it's deep. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love Jesus, keep his commands. When you look at verse 15, uh, I love that the focus here isn't religious. It isn't keep my commands because you're going to be a good Christian if you keep my commands. The emphasis is this, love me. And because you love me, you want to do what's right by me and you'll keep my commands because you love me. 
it's pretty simple. That the help you need starts with loving loyalty. Are you loyal? It says down in verse 23, once again, Jesus replied, Anyone loves me will obey my teaching. The Father will love them and we will come to them and make our homes with them. Loyalty and obedience. There's heaps of examples in the Bible where you can see uh, that begin to unfold. The one that came back to me as I was preparing the message today is the deep friendship that Jonathan, Saul's son, had and David. They were best mates. They were so close. They, they literally had a brotherly love for one another to the point that when Saul was trying to kill David, because Jonathan loved David, he did what was best by David. He got him out of trouble. He's like, my dad's going to kill you. I'm going to fire an arrow. And if it goes too far, that's code for run for your life. But what it was is there was a love for him that, man, I want to look after and do what's right by the person. Do you know, I do the same thing when it comes to April. I love her. You know, when she goes out, someone said, yay, I love her. I appreciate you. Thank you. It wasn't April. She should have said yay, but hey. Um, when she goes out, I don't know, husbands, if you do this, but learn from me. When she goes out, I literally, like, this is my moment. I play it all cool. And the moment I see the car disappear, I literally, I vacuum, I, I clean. Uh, that's right, it learned from me. And then I, um, I, I literally, I cook. But April constantly, and I don't know if there are other uh, wives out there that constantly think that their own house stinks. She walks in, she's like, something smells. Every window is open. There's wind rushing through the house at all times. So I'm like, I better put a candle on. Um, you know, but then I've cooked and then I've realized I've cooked, it'll stink. So now the candle's on, the window's open, we're cold. There's dust coming in, so I'm vacuuming. She gets home and then I'm playing it cool again like I've done nothing all day. You know, and then she comes in and I know that she appreciates it because she says, I see what you've done here because she doesn't want me to not know. She knows she's trying to reinforce the right behavior. But hey, I'm up for it. But what happens is I've cooked. Now, I don't mind cooking, but I don't like the cleaning afterwards. But I've cleaned and I've organized the house and I've tried to make the setting comfortable. Why? Because I know that it will bless April. So because of my love for April, I want to do things that please her. So out of the love comes this loyalty and this desire to please. The first step to the help you need when we look at this scripture, it says, Jesus is saying, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love Jesus... You will prioritize the things that bless him and that do right by him. He's saying, I'm not worried about the religious component. I'm worried about whether you love me because if your love is genuine, you'll keep my commands. Gordon Fee, a great scholar, puts it like this, that obedience is the one test of sincerity. It's the one test of sincerity. If you truly love Jesus... You'll obey his commands. You'll keep his commands, not because of the commands, but because of the love and the relationship that is sincere, that you are now wanting to do the things that please him. This is what Jesus is saying. We get caught up in religion versus relationship constantly. When it's religion, you're trying to please God by your own work. And often you'll fall short because it's like, okay, it's about what I have to do. 
It's what I have to achieve. I have to earn the right to please God. This is what religion puts upon a person. And then what happens is they fall short because we're not perfect. And we can never live up to God's standard. And then we fail and we're separated from God. But see, relationship is where the freedom comes. Because with relationship, you go, hey, I have put my faith and my trust and my love in Jesus. And I know that I'm now not doing the things that I please because I love Jesus and I want to please him. The emphasis on this scripture is clear. If you love me, keep my commands. So if we were to apply this to our life, what what does that look like in our world? What does that look like from the component that if you were to ask yourself a question, if you were to remove everything that you've been through in life, you can remove your religious experience, even remove your church experience, remove what you do as a vocation, remove what's happened, whether it's been positive or negative in your life. Clear the whole landscape out and just ask yourself this question. Don't worry about your experiences. Don't worry about your theological stances. Ask yourself the question, do you love Jesus? Because if you love Jesus, the next question that will follow is, because I love Jesus, how does that affect my actions? Because Jesus is saying, if you love me, keep my commands. If there's love, something will change in the way that you act. So putting it into scenarios that are everyday life for us, should I watch this TV show? It's a little bit violent. It's a little bit inappropriate in places. Maybe consider this question. Because of my love for Jesus in this moment, what's the best way I can honour him? I'm about to choose my reaction to that person that may have annoyed you. Or or should I have uh, another beer? Or uh, should I swear at the football player? Or should I play a blame game or look at myself? Or should I lie or lust or cheat or be inconsistent or tell a half-truth or exaggerate? The thought process here when considering is because of my love for Jesus, how does that affect my actions now? If you love me, keep my commands. Whatever the circumstance, we must be aware that the Holy Spirit can lead us and strengthen us. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. We can succeed as Christians because the weight of expectation is not about performance. It's about your relationship and your faith and your trust in Jesus. I feel there are some people here that need to know this. If the enemy tries to bring condemnation in your life, your statement could be this. I may not be perfect, but I'm not fake. I love Jesus. So what happens is in this scripture, we see that uh, it says that if you love me, keep my commands. And then from the love and the relationship that then it says that Jesus says, I will ask the Father. So the Holy Spirit comes at the request of Jesus. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. I love the statement that we see there, another advocate. Uh, we're going to lean into some of these words for a moment. Another advocate in 1 John 2, 1, it says this, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, his, 
He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. So what's happened there is Jesus has been uh, uh, called and described as an advocate. And now in this scripture, it is saying, and I will send and give you another advocate. Another advocate is that the Holy Spirit is coming. It is more of the same. Like Jesus, who has now gone and sending another. Like Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Another, the same. It's like you've had a chocolate biscuit. Now, can I have another one? It is more of the same. It is the Holy Spirit, the divine Spirit of God who is eternal, who is there at creation doing the the work of God, is present and available. And Jesus has sent him. The Holy Spirit plays an incredible role in our lives and in the world. We know that it is convincing the world of sin and and its need for righteousness because of the judgment of God. We need Jesus. It's guiding disciples into truth. Uh, It's telling them the things that are to come. It's painting this beautiful picture to the point where this word advocate is described in a lot of translation as the word parakletos or paraklete. Now that word in itself Uh, creates many different descriptions of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does in our life. You can read the New King James Version, the NIV Version, the ESV. There's many different descriptions, but it comes to this. It could be described as comforter, teacher, advocate, counsellor, helper, guide. This is the Holy Spirit in our lives. I read a quote from the the Blue Letter Bible as I was looking at the original word paraclete and it says this, in the wider sense of the word, the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel's truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom there is a support and a strength available with the Holy Spirit in our lives Uh, the word comforter which I think is used in the New King James has a thing about encouragement and strengthening the Holy Spirit helps and guides and advocates for you and is present to help you in your life we all need help on the journey we all need help I remember when I was a a nurse, I used to wear all day, and I know I've shared this before, but I used to have a very, very cool badge. Uh, Back in the day, it used to say, I'm a no-lift nurse. Uh, Has anybody that was a nurse ever wore one of those badges? Remember, oh, it was a great badge. What it was saying, what it was saying is, I'm not going to lift you, but I'm going to use machines and lifting hoists and other bits and pieces, but don't ask me to do something that I don't do. But then I would wear that all day, full time. That's what I'd wear. And then I'd get home and April would arrive back from the shops with the shopping and I'd look at all the bags and I'd go, one trip. There is one trip here. And you grab every single bag that you possibly can and you do everything you shouldn't. Who's been there? I'm telling you, no, who needs a second trip? And then you get there and about seven steps into the journeys, your fingers are turned into these squished sausages and you're in pain and you're getting and all of a sudden you get there and someone's closed the front door. So you don't put the bags down. You never put the bags, you kick the door. Who kicks the door? Because that's your form of knocking. Help! But what happens, that's a bit of the way it works with our life. We've got the Holy Spirit available to help us, but yet we try to gather and carry so many things on our own that we get to the point of panic and worry where we're kicking and we're screaming and we're yelling 
One could have asked for help from the beginning. A present help. The Bible says that we love Jesus because of that relationship. We are now receiving the Holy Spirit from the Father who is a helper, who is a guide, who is a comforter, who is a strengthener. I love that the Holy Spirit is present in our life. But sometimes do we stand at the door of our heart and say, why are you here? Instead of saying, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that you prompted me. I can hear your voice. I can hear it clearly. I want to be obedient. Would you come in? Would you help? Let me follow your lead. Billy Graham puts it like this. For me, the best moment to pray is the very moment a tense situation or an unspiritual attitude overtakes me. God, the Holy Spirit, is always there ready to help me gain victory in the spiritual battles I face, whether they are big, or small. We all have questions. We all have challenges. But yet we all have the comforter, teacher, advocate, counselor, helper, guide available in our lives. That strengthens us to overcome the flesh, to overcome our poor attitudes and to live a life for Jesus. You know, recently I've told you all that I have been battling with the addiction to my screen on my phone. So I've been putting the phone in a little basket and uh, I'm still wandering past it a lot. But you know what? I've been wandering past it and now I've been asking the Holy Spirit to help me because I need help. I don't want to give my life to, to nothing. I want to give my life to my children, to my God, to my family, to our community. So instead of always struggling, I'm now saying, Holy Spirit, would you help me? I don't need it. Help me, Holy Spirit, prompt me, remind me. It's often we stand at the door of our heart and when people prompt us and I'm constantly in the battle of not being able to find my keys and April prompted me, have you prayed? I don't want to pray. Or when you're upset and you want to be angry and you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to calm down. My hand's looking very aggressive right now. Invite the Holy Spirit in. In the midst of temptation or bitterness or unforgiveness, have you prayed? Have you invited the Holy Spirit in? It's the last thing I want to do, but often in the battle, it's like Billy Graham says, it's the moment to invite the Holy Spirit in. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He draws us towards the truth of God because He is the truth of God. And often in those circumstances is when we need to hear the truth. So invite the Holy Spirit in. Invite the Holy Spirit in. I, my prayer this week, and I pray that you could absorb or apply it as well. When you need the Holy Spirit and you feel your attitude is drifting or switching, invite the Holy Spirit in to strengthen you to do and represent Christ the way you should in all circumstances as you grow. Because the help that we need as we look at verse 17 is changing us from the inside out. It says in verse 17, the spirit of tr truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. You see, the disciples, they knew Jesus. 
And Jesus had also been present with him. You know him and he has been present with you. But there would be an incredible moment at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come and indwell his people and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a superficial work. It was a deep work. And as I pondered about this thought this week, I was reading and I came across a, 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 an illustration of a person who, who has this clay. And, and the clay is being molded and worked and created into something that is beautiful. But the writer at the end describes it as, hey, it's something that could only ever be superficial. That clay can only ever be made beautiful on the outside. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, that there are people in our worlds that we see that are creating beauty on the outside. But it's actually a superficial work. They appear to have it all going on. They appear to look like it's all successful. They appear to look like everything's going well. But yet we see chronically through our community that there are people that appear to have everything, but yet there's brokenness and hurt and emptiness on the inside. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God in us to comfort, to care, to direct our lives. And it's never going anywhere. As we read in this scripture, it says here that the help to help you and be with you forever. The verse at the end of verse 16. And I started thinking about the blessing it is that we have in that. And Dan, if you want to join me. Because it wasn't that way in the Old Testament. A famous psalm that we've all read and heard many times. I think it was a Keith Green song as well. In Psalms 51, it says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. It says, Renew a loyal spirit within me. But isn't this interesting? It says, Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, in the Old Testament, what would happen is that the Spirit of God was in a particular place at a time. But it would come and it would rest upon people. Uh, and that would be either to commission their work, uh, to empower them for a moment, uh, and to uh, really confirm publicly that God is with them. So you see it with King Saul. You, you see it with Samson. You, you saw it with Gideon. It would rest upon them. But what could happen is if they walked out of the will of God, the Spirit of God could come off them. That happened with Saul. So David is praying a prayer. Don't banish me from your presence and take your Holy Spirit from me. But we don't have to live that way anymore. Because when the Holy Spirit, when, when the veil was torn and, and Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit, the new temple of the Lord is now you. It's me, it's the believer, it's the person who's put their faith and trust in Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit indwells us and lives with us. So it's a permanent presence of God within us to help us do the mission of God for our life. To be the person, to walk faithfully as the Spirit leads us. See, we often find in, in the theological world, it's we, the there and not yet. We're still in this broken body, but yet through the Holy Spirit, we're given everything we need to overcome the power of sin and to live for Jesus because the Holy Spirit is in me and strengthens me. 
you know, we were at Connect Group uh, this week and we were talking about it and a, a friend of mine uh, said, I was listening to uh, a video or a podcast and he, and he talked about, this person was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said, if the Holy Spirit is uh, described like a dove and that dove was sitting on your shoulder and you acted in a silly way, that, that, that dove would, would fly away. You know, you'd have to change the way you act because that the presence of the dove... But I thank God we, we now live in a place where, where it doesn't sit on our shoulder. It's within our heart. It's in our spirit. It's because the Holy Spirit is present. So that should change the way that we act. It should actually give you greater confidence. It should cause you to prioritise the voice of the Spirit. Stop trying to do things on your own. I don't want us to be a people. I don't want to be a person where I stand at the door of my heart and say, why are you here, Holy Spirit? I want the Holy Spirit to know He has a freedom in my life and my heart to convict me when I need conviction, to address my attitudes when I need them being addressed. But not only that, I don't want to be a person that's trying to carry things on my own. I want the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom before I'm at that place. I want the promptings of God to lead my life. Recognize the Holy Spirit is in you. So give Him rooms in your life. And as I pondered this thought this week, you know, we talked about it and I try to talk about it with our team. What, what is God saying? A theme emerged, practice it. Practice it. Apply it. You know how I'm practicing it? I wander towards that phone and then I say, no, Holy Spirit, help me. I don't need it. I want to give my life to that. What about practicing leaning into the Holy Spirit and going, hey, before I say something I shouldn't, I want to just give a moment to you, Holy Spirit, to consider your presence in my life before I speak. Practice it. What about those moments when you're alone and you're tired and you're, you're feeling you're fleshly? It's like, Holy Spirit, I, I submit my life to you. I give you all of me. Because I know that's the best life I can live. That's the best way to serve Jesus. We know that the Holy Spirit is present in our life. And Luke in particular in the Gospels has this, uh, this uh, direction that the Holy Spirit helps you achieve and walk out God's mission in this world for your life. I want to be good at what God has called me to do. So therefore, I need to be good at submitting my will and inviting the Holy Spirit in to help me. Practice it. Let love lead your action. If you love me, keep my commands. Recognize that your love for Jesus comes first and let that help you in the decisions you made. The second thing that happens that is once you have a sincere faith and relationship with Jesus, it says the Holy Spirit comes into your life. You invite the Holy Spirit in. The day of Pentecost, they prayed, they sought God. And because they sought God and they asked the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was given to them and indwelled them and filled them. To be filled. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill our lives. For those in this room that have a desire. Holy Spirit, I just pray for those people that need to hold every thought captive. Father, 
you know, if they're not filled or need to be filled, Father, would you fill them so they can hold every thought captive as you guide and help them? And then know that it's present and forever. The Holy Spirit is here. So regardless of your experience, let your love for Jesus lead to a place where you obey, receive the Holy Spirit and walk in that blessing. Can we stand for a moment? Not every week do we, do we do these or need to do particular altar calls, but as we bring down the light for a moment, I, I really feel that the, the ministry moment here, the, the place that really kind of seals as we've come around the Word and thought about this topic and thought about the Holy Spirit and His presence in your life and where your priorities are at, our, I really felt that the Lord's saying, are there people here that need to make a decision today to make more room for the Holy Spirit? It's just a simple question to make more room and then be about actively allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life, bring conviction where it needs to be. Because often the Holy Spirit will bring conviction and you'll push it aside because you want to be a particular emotion. But we need to be a people that go beyond that so that when we're challenged in the workplace or challenged by our children or, or, or challenged with our temptation to be greedy or sinful or whatever it may be, that you yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit better. But you've got to start with allowing a greater voice for the Holy Spirit in your life by making room. Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me. I want you to use me. I want you to help me to be obedient as I follow your lead, as I stay in step with the Spirit. I need to make more room, Holy Spirit, for you in my life. I need to quiet the noise more regularly so you can speak. I need to set up the priorities because I love you, so I want to do the things that please you. So with every eye closed, if you're feeling the prompting that, hey, I need to make more room for the Holy Spirit in my thought, in my life, that's you, why don't you lift your hand? We're just going to pray. Hands all over this place. Hallelujah. I'll invite the worship team to come, singers. I'm going to sing a song in a moment and the significance of this moment will be linked to the desire of your heart. If you truly want to right now encounter the Holy Spirit, I'd love to pray for you. Do you know one of the great things about being Pentecostal is speaking in tongues. I believe that clearly there's evidence in Scripture that it still happens today. It's, it's, I'm absolutely sold on it scripturally and I'm sold on it experientially. And the Bible tells me that when I pray in tongues, I'm actually praying in a language that is, that is edifying and strengthening my spirit and I don't even know it because it's a heavenly language. The Holy Spirit's available to pray the prayers that you don't know how to pray with your own language. So while we pray and make more room for the Holy Spirit in our life, there may be some people here today, and, and if that's you, I want to invite you to come down the front that haven't spoken in tongues before, but would like to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. So that you can pray a prayer that strengthens you, that you may not know how to pray and may not have done before, and that's okay. 
Now there's no pressure on you. You're not a failure if you don't pray in tongues in this moment. We'll keep believing and praying and seeking God for you. But I do believe it's available and available for all. And if you come in faith, it is available to you. So while we close our eyes and begin to sing, wherever the band is, you guys can come and do that now. You can all make your way on. We're going to sing. For those of you that need to have this moment where you just say to the Holy Spirit, I love you and I'm grateful for you and I want to invite you in in a greater way, fantastic. If there are people here that go, hey, you know, I've been in a Pentecostal church a long time. I don't speak in tongues. It's something I'd like to experience. The key is just have an open heart to the Spirit. Come down, we'll pray for you. There's no pressure on what that needs to look like here. It's a desire for the Holy Spirit to be present in your life and invite Him in. So I'm going to pray for you and then I'll close the meeting in a moment as the team sings. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for every person in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that this week we leave with a choosing to create more room for the Holy Spirit, choosing to have a greater awareness of Your presence that is always present in our life. We choose to honour You and to be aware that You are in our lives and to yield our desires to Your desire for us as we serve and love You, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen.